If pharmacy costs are the fastest growing components of claims spend, specialty drugs are the biggest driver. What can plans do to better manage these breathtakingly expensive drugs? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking with Sherry Tedichuk, who is Senior Vice President of National Sales at Payer Matrix. Now, we all know from our clients and everything else that we're doing that one of the single biggest drivers of healthcare costs right now is pharmacy. But within that driver, there's one thing that stands out, and that's specialty drugs. And it is just pushing costs to notches unknown. And we invited Sherry to talk about what's going on in that industry, what are the cost drivers, and what are the options for trying to control them. With that, welcome, Sherry. Thank you. So let's level set a little bit. I know that drug spend is now, for a lot of companies, reaching 25 or 30% of overall spend. What portion of that is specialty drugs? Well, a good portion of that is the specialty drugs. What we see when we do our savings analysis on the actual data received by the plans is there's about 2 to 3% of the members on the plan using about 30 to 70% of the pharmaceutical spend. So it's quite expensive and it's not getting any better. And you attribute most of that spent to specialty drug? It is specialty drug, absolutely. Now, are these predominantly folks with either chronic conditions or multiple chronic conditions? Absolutely. Chronic and multiple chronic and genetic conditions. Well, can you give us a few examples? Sure. So like the Spinraza and Zolgensma, those are to treat spinal muscular atrophy. The Zolgensma is a gene therapy drug. It's hitting about 2.2 million for annually. And then what we see is if that doesn't work, then they switch the patient over to Spinraza, which is $750,000 the first year, and then approximately $375,000 the second, third, fourth, and, and forever for the life of that patient. Well, that will certainly bring tears to your eyes. Now, you say they start on A and they switch on B. One of the things we've talked about on the program a couple of times is this, it's not new, but it, apparently it's new to some folks. It's called pharmacogenetic testing, so that there's a way to assay the patient's genetic makeup and determine in advance which drug will work best for them. Is that available on specialty drugs, or is that just more confined to regular pharma? That absolutely is available on specialty drugs. It just it doesn't happen because a lot of plans don't know about it. Really? That's that's interesting. And and yet they're willing to take a, a million-dollar flyer for a year on a drug that may or may not work for a patient. The patient's condition gets worse. Their quality of life gets worse. And ultimately, they've thrown that money down the drain because they have to switch to a different drug. 
and start determining the efficacy all over again. What, it, it's surprising for me to hear you say that they don't know about that. What can we do to raise awareness? Well, there are companies out there that clinically manage the not just the prescription drugs, but the specialty drugs. And there are also PBMs. There are some PBMs that do that as well. It's just, it's very rare, but there are companies that will put the patient through kind of that, maybe that step therapy, but also um, the clinical steps to ensure that that member is right for that particular treatment with that particular drug. So why are the, to the extent that you can illuminate us, why are these drugs so danged expensive? It's, it's not like we're talking about drugs for orphan diseases. Well, some of them are for orphan diseases, but what happens is Big Pharma says, you know, that they spend most of their money on research and development. And so they say that because, you know, they're spending so much money on research and development to develop these drugs, that they really need to drive the cost of the drugs when they introduce them to the market. Now, they have to petition Congress, and in Washington, D.C., there's two lobbyists for every congressman for the pharmaceutical industry. In 2018, they spent nearly $280 million on lobbying, (laughs) and part of that lobbying includes we need to charge this much for this new specialty drug that's coming out into the market because we spent so much money on research and development, but actually when you look at the cost of sales and marketing to the cost of research and development, it's about 50% more that they spend on sales and marketing. All those commercials you see on TV for like the Humira, the Skyrizi, the Embrel, ask your doctor if this drug is right for you. That's the sales and marketing approach. And then also, you know, being heavily in the provider's face to keep track of, you know, are you prescribing our medication? So they do a really good job of that as well. Is there any cost-benefit analysis relative to overall lifetime patient care that factors into this value proposition that they push? In other words, are they saying, well, you may be spending X for this drug, but if you didn't have this drug, you'd be spending 2X for patient care? I don't have that analysis, but I can tell you that these drugs are life-altering, so they're very much needed. It's just the expense of these drugs is ridiculous, and it's basically, you know, the drug manufacturers profiteering on these particular specialty drugs. When we parse claims out for clients, one of the biggest areas that we know is musculoskeletal. That drives an awful lot of claims spend. Let's come down from the stratosphere a little bit and get into just the high clouds, I guess. You mentioned a few drugs, and a lot of that is arthritis or psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis. Those drugs have been around for a while, and uh, frankly, I was on Embril years ago, and over the time that I took that drug, I watched the cost go up. What's that all about? How does, how does that happen? How do they even justify that? Especially drug costs increase about 20% every year. Again, they petition Congress, and, and they're saying that, they, you know, they're cleaning up and and redefining the specialty drug. So a good example of that is Humira. So Humira is for Crohn's, ulcerated colitis, psoriatic arthritis. And the cost of that is, depending on the dosage, anywhere from 5,000 to 11,000 a month. Now, what they've done is as, as the patents start to run out, they go through and they clean up the drug and or develop maybe by changing one ingredient. And so then they raise the cost of that. Or they'll develop a cleaner version of the drug. So like Humira, what happened is they developed Skyrizi. 
Well, they, they market that as, okay, after a double loading dose, you only have to have this injection every three months. So it makes it more attractive to the member. It's essentially doing the same thing as the lower cost Humira, but it's a way for them to increase the cost. And it, it, Skyrizi is about triple the cost of Humira per dose. So even though it's taken less frequently at the end of a 12 month period, is there actually a huge delta in cost? Absolutely. It's about 50% more when you look at it at the end of the all day. For the, all for the patient convenience and uh, maybe some, some additional efficacy. Maybe some, yes. Wow. So if we mere mortals who are out here practicing in this world and watching employers get just bushwhacked by these costs, what can we do? What are the strategies that you know about that are working to, to try to, to help employers keep these costs in check and, and still deliver a great product and a good quality of life to their employees? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things, you know, that that a lot of employers aren't aware of is those specialty drugs that run through the medical side. So the TPA side, they, they see them on the PBM side because that's easily reported. You know, the PBMs usually give you the top 20 spend under a specialty drug category. But on the medical side, you can also be effective with the IV infusions for the outpatient IV infusions. So there's ways to control the costs on both sides, PBM and the TPA. You can do it by plan design, by excluding the specialty drugs, and then working directly with a company that can provide alternative funding at 100% removal of that cost of the drug when they're actually can get a member into one of the patient assistance programs or other alternative funding programs that the pharmaceutical companies offer, but they don't readily make it available. They do make the ease of the copay card and the coupons readily available. The specialty pharmacists uh, will tell the members about those, but those really only offset the cost of the drug, mostly for the member, because it waives their copay. And now, a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged, and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at shiftshaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, back to our discussion. Right, but it doesn't do anything to help the underlying cost of the drug because a dollar bill can only have one person's name on it at a time. And, you know, I had I had an Embril copay card and was thrilled to death to have it. But I always wondered, you know, okay, is this the reason why these costs never come down? Because we're just shifting money from, you know, if you're playing three-card Monty, you're just moving the P from, you know, under one card and into the third card. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't see how that actually helps the overall cost of the drugs, even though it does help the patients. Right. So the the pharmaceutical companies do offer the 
the patient assistance programs. You can do plan design by having a specialty drug carve out, which essentially says that the drugs aren't covered and that they have to go through a company that can assist with the cost of the specialty drug and then work directly with the manufacturers who offer these programs. And they offer the programs because they use the patient assistance programs, meaning they will cover the cost of those specialty drugs. They use those programs to petition Congress to say, you know, we, we understand that these drugs are very expensive. It costs us a lot of money in research and development to develop these drugs. However, we do offer patient assistance programs and foundational monies to pay for the drugs for those members that can't afford the drug or have lack of coverage for that drug. So we're doing good by doing well. <laughs> yes. And so, like I said, to navigate the patient assistance programs can be very difficult. They don't make it really easy to navigate that that process. So if you're a member trying to do it yourself, it's very difficult. Plus if you if your plan design has coverage for specialty drugs, you automatically will not qualify for their patient assistance program. But if if you're even a non-cynical employer and let's say you've got a self-funded plan, so you're actually getting meaningful data that you can look at and understand and try to use to make smart decisions. At some point, you have to say to yourself, this is doing nothing for me, for the plan. It's just continuing to find a way to keep the costs high. Is there a way to actually move the lever on costs besides beating your congressman over the snout with a rolled up newspaper? The congressmen have two pharmaceutical lobbyists in their ear. Every congressman does in their ear. So it's not going to change through Congress. Uh, I know they're working on, you know, helping the Medicare population and, and trying to lessen the burden on the Medicare trust. But the commercial market is getting nailed by these things. So, you know, really the best way to approach it is for an employer to take that proactive step to carve out the specialty drugs, make them not covered, and then work with the company that can can get the alternative funding in place and get the drug sourced directly through the manufacturer and where that drug cost doesn't even go through the plan. I had a, a PBM rep on who was critical of the industry a few years ago, and he said, it almost sounds like an offer that's made by somebody who's both a mafiosi and an academic. They're making you an offer you can't understand. <laughs> I mean, so what, let, let's talk about plan design for a moment. Cause that maybe, you know, maybe that's a great area to look at. You just simply in your SPD, you just simply carve them out, say they're not available under the base medical plan, but you can go here or you have to go here if you want these. That's correct. Yes. And so what's that patient experience like? Does the patient have to, is that something the patient's physician deals with, or does the patient have to call into a clinician or a nurse or whatever on a, on a hotline and and arrange this themselves? What What's the burden on the patient to do this? So the members are identified at the implementation process. All of the members that are on the specialty drugs that are on that excluded list, those members are identified. They're assigned a care coordinator who's clinical, who has background in specialty pharmaceuticals, understands the disease, and they're very sensitive to the member. Because you got to understand these members are sick and to have to quote unquote, jump through hoops to try to get, you know, the alternative funding, it can be burdensome for them. So the, what the care coordinator does is fills out the application form 
for the member over the phone by asking questions, gathers most of the information from the claims data and the eligibility file first before they reach out and, and do the welcome call and ask the questions that's required on the application. Then that application is sent to the member to sign off on and this consent form is sent. And then the care coordinator coordinates everything with the physician, the member, and the manufacturer. And then once that uh, manufacturer says, okay, this member qualifies, this member is eligible for our program for a year, then that drug is going to be sourced either directly from the manufacturer to the member, not running through the plan, or the member will be told you can stay at your regular specialty pharmacy and the pharmacy will actually bill the manufacturer for that drug, not the plan. And then every month that care coordinator is going to reach out to that member to make sure that they receive their drug. They track the drug right when it leaves the manufacturer. And when it ends up in the patient's hands, they call the patient and make sure that they received it, provide any kind of support that they may need, and provide reassurance that they are going to get that drug every month on time when they're supposed to. And that, that's pretty crucial to provide that reassurance right now because, you know, um, members are kind of hoarding their drugs because of COVID and, and being afraid that they're going to lose that coverage. Is there a way to interface with physicians or their staffs? Because I, my experience is that uh, an awful lot of physicians have absolutely no idea or, or at best a vague idea of what this stuff costs. Is there, I'm just trying to figure out a better better way to do this than one at a time. Is there a way to educate staffs in doctor's offices to say, hey, this drug has a copay program or check your plan because you may do this or that or the next thing? Or are they just, they just got to know the plan and, and figure it out? Well, you know, most of the time, physicians aren't even aware. Only about 40% of them are aware that there may be some sort of patient assistance program in place. But you got to understand the qualifications to qualify for a patient assistance program is you can't have coverage for that drug if you want to get into a patient assistance program. So it really has to be led by the plan and the plan design and to carve out the specialty drugs to start the process. And then, you know, when you reach out to the member to get them started on the program, the coordination begins with the physician. Because the physician has a little bit that they have to fill out of the application process. It's usually only about a half a page. So we work with the physician to get all the application pieces filled out. And most of the time, they're very, very cooperative. That's a little different than the copay plans, because at least on the ones that I've seen, you have to have private insurance in order to qualify for the copay plans. Yeah, it is. It's a lot different. So you, what you think about is 100% removal of the cost of the drug from the plan. The copay cards, they provide savings for the member, but, you know, on a Humira, they're still going to have to, the plan's still going to have to pay about $5,000 each month. It's a great distinction. It's a terrific thing to know. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but um, we'd, we'd love to have you back. I'm Sherry Tedichuk, Senior Vice President of National Sales at Payer Matrix. Sherry, great information. Thank you so much for sharing with the audience. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shapers Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. 